Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. the persecution continued to grow and it grew worse and worse and can you think can you imagine for a minute if you would that maybe the Lord allowed that persecution to grow worse and worse to push them out of the comfort of Jerusalem to spread his gospel into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world you think God you think God would make me uncomfortable you think God would, 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 would push me out of the nest of my own personal comfort in order to do His will? Absolutely. Absolutely. Pastor David teaches you today that God will place you in uncomfortable situations to move His will forward. From this, you'll learn that a life of Christianity does not guarantee an easy life. In fact, it may assure the opposite. Know that when you commit to serving the Lord, that you'll sometimes be pushed to a breaking point. Serve God faithfully, knowing that if He breaks you, He'll rebuild you. Through serving the kingdom, you'll find your true purpose and help others find their purposes too. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Luke chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Move and Power of the Spirit. This is now the message of the gospel it begin, as it begins going out of Jerusalem. And it's interesting to note that the foreign missions program of the church didn't come through a meeting of the elders. Uh, it didn't come as any other thing other than a growing persecution. It wasn't like they said, hey, you know, we're, we're supposed to, Jesus told us in Jerusalem and Judea, so we need to start sending some missionaries out to, out to Judea. No, they were fine to stay in Jerusalem, even with everything that was going on. But the persecution continued to grow, and it grew worse and worse. And can you think, can you imagine for a minute, if you would, that maybe the Lord allowed that persecution to grow worse and worse, to push them out of the comfort of Jerusalem, to spread his gospel into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Do you think God you think God would make me uncomfortable? Do you think God would, 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 would push me out of the nest of my own personal comfort in order to do his will? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 1, chapter 8, says, Now Saul, that's Saul of Tarsus, was consenting to his, to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Gee, wasn't that exactly what Jesus says? 
You're going to be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. Now they're all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles did stay in Jerusalem. And again, we see that even by the time we get to chapter 15, they're still there in Jerusalem. Lord was using them in a different way, but he was sending out missionaries as different Christians went out into these different regions. In chapter 9, we read of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes, as we know, Paul the Apostle. And although his conversion was, was really dramatic, the response that he received, uh, both from the church and his old friends, the non-believing Jews, was less than cordial. The Jews wanted to kill him because he became a Christian, and the church didn't want to have anything to do with him because they didn't believe he became a Christian. So kind of like a man with no country, he's caught between the two. Well, beginning down in verse 32 of chapter 9, we read some of the missionary journeys made by Peter as he began going throughout the country. Still stationed in Jerusalem, but he began doing these missionary journeys on and out. And the Lord blessed Peter with miracles, miracles of healing, even bringing young Dorcas back to life again. We find that down in verses 36 through 43 of chapter 9. Now chapter 10 widens the move of the gospel into the lives of the Gentiles. No longer is Christianity just for the Jews, but now it's moving into the lives of Gentiles. Peter's vision on the top of Simon the Tanner's house there in Joppa opened his eyes to understand that what God has cleansed or called clean, he should not call common or unclean. And then remember, those representatives, those those that came from Cornelius' house, met him and he followed them back to Cornelius' house. Then the word tells us down in verse 44 through 48 that the Holy Spirit, as Peter was speaking there at Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. For Peter and those that were with him heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Speaking with tongues, magnifying God. And again, uh, I want you to know, we're, we're, we're going to get into this much deeper as we get into this study. But again, this was, a, again, a, a, a sign that what was going on in their lives was the same thing that was happening to these Jewish followers of Jesus. Now you've got Gentiles that are going through the same situation. Moving into chapter 11, it shows us that Peter had some explaining to do. Uh, because here he had been with these Gentiles. They had come to Christ. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter had to go back to Jerusalem, kind of explain what's going on. So he shared with the others in Jerusalem exactly what took place there at Cornelius's house, why he was there, what happened while it took place. And those that heard his testimony, verse 18 says, they became silent, and then they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now, you and I look at that now and say, well, duh, yeah. But you got to understand the Jewish mentality. Hey, we're the favored kids of God. You know, God loves me too bad about you kind of an attitude. And that's what they grew up with all of their life. And so even when they became Christians, most all of them had a really hard time thinking that a Gentile could also become a Christian. You want to become a Christian? Well, you need to become a Jew first. 
And so that's what they did. They would bring them into Judaism, and that's where this whole idea of the Judaizers come from. Christians who believe that you have to become a Jew go through all the ceremony of Judaism in order to then come to Christ. And that's the thing that Paul beat and beat and beat the drum about. No, it's not by becoming Jewish. It's not by any works of righteousness that you've done. It's the work of God. It's the grace of God, the mercy of God. The balance of chapter 11 speaks about the ministry of of Barnabas. Uh, His initial meeting with Saul of Tarsus. Uh, Together they ministered in Antioch for a whole year. Verse 26 tells us, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That word Christian, you know what it means. It means little Christs. By the way, they didn't call you a Christian as a nice thing. They called you, oh, you little Christ, you. It was, a, it was a slur against them. But I believe the Christians pretty soon said, hey, I'll wear that slur anytime. I'll take that anytime. I am a Christian. I want to be recognized and seen as one who follows Christ. Chapter 12 pretty much is the final point of hearing about the ministry of Peter until the Jerusalem council that we find in Acts 15. Peter goes back there. He's in Jerusalem in Acts 15. But what happened in chapter 12 really is, is, is a pretty powerful event that I want to share. Peter had been arrested. He was going to be put to death the next day since Herod saw how much the Jews really enjoyed having James beheaded. So that's when he arrested Peter, put him in jail. So And, and, and the word tells us that he was under a squad uh, or uh, under four squads of soldiers, of Roman soldiers. That's a bunch of guys guarding this old fisherman because they were afraid that the disciples might come and steal him. So again, under arrest, covered by four squads of soldiers. They were going to put him to death the next day, and yet the angel of the Lord came and set him free. Man, guys, the thing that, again, continues to just jump out in this as I've been going through Acts is there is nothing, nothing that man can do against you and I. Nothing. But that God does not allow it. Because we see here, even in this story, James was beheaded. Well, what happened? Where was God that day? No, God allowed that to happen. But he didn't allow it to happen here to Peter. It's a tough thing to balance, to understand. Other than we understand, God, you have a greater plan than I can imagine. God, you are greater than I can imagine. Greater than I can even behold. Your ways are not my ways. Neither are your thoughts my thoughts. Because you are God and I'm not. In the midst of this, I I love it. The the church is praying, oh Lord, protect Peter. Oh Lord, release Peter. Oh Lord, save Peter's life. I can just imagine the heartfelt prayers as they're crying out to the Lord there in that house. And pretty soon, there's a knock on the door. Don't worry about it, man. We are praying for Peter's release. Verse 16 says, Peter continued knocking. He continued knocking because as he was knocking earlier, a young maiden came and opened the door, saw that it was Peter, slammed the door. (laughs) Can you imagine Peter at that point in time? She runs back and says, it's Peter. And all those that were praying in such earnestness and such full of faith, Lord, release Peter. We know that you can do that. And she comes, hey, 
It's Peter. Can't be Peter. Peter's in jail. Silly girl. Sit down. Must be a spirit or something. But he kept knocking, verse 16. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Ever get astonished after you pray in faith? (laughs) Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? You know, we pray in faith that God's going to do this. And then when he does, it blows our minds. He says, wow, you really did. They saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And then he said, go tell these things to James. Now, whoop, hold on, me. James, I thought you just said that James was beheaded. James the apostle was beheaded. This is James, the Lord's half-brother, who is now, he has believed. Remember, he was in the upper room with 120. The brothers of Jesus were there. We looked at that last Sunday. Now he is actually a part of the church there. So they're saying, go tell James and to the brethren. And he departed, and he went to another place. Verse 18, then as soon as it was day, There was no small stir among these four squads of soldiers about what had become of Peter. And when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and what? He commanded that they should be put to death. And then Herod says, I'm not staying in town. I'm going from Judea to Caesarea. And that's Caesarea by the sea right along the Mediterranean coast there. And look at what it says in verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord. And having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, verse 21, so on a set day, Herod, arrayed with royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Oh, in verse 22, the people were so excited because again, they're trying to... uh, kiss up to Herod at this point in time. The people kept shouting, oh, the voice of a God and not a man. And then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Okay, last Sunday we talked about Judas, his entrails gushing out all over. Now we're talking about him being eaten up, uh, Herod being eaten up with worms and died. The Bible is an interesting book if you hang in there and listen and watch what you're reading. Verse 24, Herod died, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. They also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now from here, we move on into the missionary journeys of Paul. At first, he's with Barnabas, then later with Silas. Three missionary journeys in all. Throughout each one of them, he had great persecution, uh, almost on a continual basis, but he continued to minister. He continued to proclaim. He continued doing what the Lord Jesus had called him to do and to complete. And as a direct relationship, a direct result of his faithfulness to ministry, churches began throughout the known world because Paul was willing to go where it was uncomfortable. He was willing to go where his life was threatened. He was willing to go where the Lord led him. And so churches were begun throughout the known world. And then he continued going back to them to to encourage them and, and to, again, continue to teach them these young fledging fellowships as they began. Paul acted as a responsible parent 
to the works that God had begun through his ministry. And even as God had made it clear that his ministry was going to be a powerful one, Paul also understood that his ministry was going to be a very hard one. Paul understood, again, that at his conversion, God had given the message to Ananias in reference to his ministry. And remember, uh, that that message that God gave to Ananias, we find in chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, he told Ananias that Paul was his chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul knew at the very get-go, this was not an easy task. It was not an easy call that God was giving to him. And yet he was willing to press on into it. Pretty much, and that pretty much sums up the balance of the book of Acts. These missionary journeys, the persecution, Paul's faithfulness to continue. The last two verses of the last chapter of the book speaks of what Luke had as as, as final information as he wrote the book. Flip all the way over to Acts 28.30. We're not done, but look there real quick. In Acts 28.30... Luke finishes up this book, or this letter, says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house in Rome and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Beloved, one of the reasons we need to have history also outside of the biblical record is we find out that that was not the end of Paul's life. He was actually set free for a short time, but then he was arrested again, and in that final arrest is when they executed him. The ministry of the Apostle Paul was an amazing testimony of a man that was sold out to the Lord Jesus. Paul was a man who suffered, and yet he persevered. He was a man, yeah, there were times even that he had doubts and the Lord sent a messenger to him saying, Paul, you're not going to die. I'm going to send you on to Rome. You're not going to die here. I'm, I'm, I'm surrounding. I'm with you. He was strengthened by the Holy Spirit and by the word of the Lord. Paul was a man who was willing to move forward even when it meant his own discomfort, his own arrest, and very probable death. Remember as he was going back to Jerusalem, again, uh, there, there were prophets that came to him and said, hey, look, don't go back to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest you. They're going to take you. And Paul says, I've got got to go. I've got to go. Why? Because he was following the Spirit of God, not the wisdom and the logic of man. He was called by God. He was totally surrendered to God. And because of that, he was used mightily by God. And through all of the testimony of his life, all of the testimony of his ministry that we see here in the book of Acts, and and even though this is just a survey of, of the book of Acts, Let me close with Paul's own words about his own life and his ministry as he speaks himself, again, of his his physical heritage, of his educational uh, resume, uh, as it is, and of his religious standing. Acts 22, we see this real quick, but we're going to move beyond Acts as we finish this. In Acts 22, Paul, in verse 3, Paul says, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, 
uh, no mean city is one, some version. But in essence, he's saying it's not an insignificant city. In other words, it was a good-sized city. And he also says, I, I was brought up here, here in Jerusalem. And I was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. According to the Talmud, Gamaliel was the president of the great Sanhedrin there in Jerusalem. He was the top dog of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, and a great, great teacher. He holds a reputation, according to the Mishnah, for being one of the greatest teachers in all of Judaism. And again, that's what they claim for Gamaliel. And Paul said that he learned at the feet of Gamaliel. He said, I was taught according to the strictness of our father's laws, and I was jealous toward God as you all are today. Then you can mark it down, but in Philippians chapter 3, he gives a little bit more of his resume. In verse 4, he says, if anyone else thinks himself that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But in verse 7 of of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted as loss for Christ. None of this other stuff matters, he said, in order that I might gain Christ, in order that I might be pleasing to my Savior, the one who gave his life for me. He says, yet indeed, I have also counted all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That was his resume. Here's his ministry experience. Most of this we read about in the book of Acts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, Paul says that from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepless often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides these other things, it comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Every time I read this, I have to ask, are you sure you want to go into ministry? That's where he's at here. Second Corinthians chapter 12, I'll close with this. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Takes no confidence in the flesh. That pretty well sums up the balance of the book or the letter of Acts. It's in Acts that we see the activity of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit moving upon the people of God. We see the Holy Spirit bringing power and boldness to continue to proclaim the message of God, even against persecution. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we see that increase of the kingdom of God as the Lord brought daily as many as would be saved. It's in Acts that we see all the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at work as, again, God taking 
regular people, empowering them by his spirit to touch the hearts and lives of people that were around them and to the people that he sent them to. May we be a people who don't do it on our own strength, but in all that we do, we say, Lord, only, only by your hand. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page see you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.